Welcome back. I'm Brian Murphy with uh, Luis Fernandez. I keep singing with um Luis Fernandez. With the Luis Fernandez. I, you know, I, I get the um. I get that sometimes. <laughs> we are talking ACC football. ACC kickoff is just three weeks away. Summer is flying by. We're past the 4th of July. We are ready for some football and some football talk. And we are joined by Chapel Fowler, Clemson beat writer at the State Newspaper in Columbia. You can find his content at Chapel Fowler on Twitter. Two questions before we get started, Chapel. Have you joined Threads? I have not joined Threads yet. <laughs> All right, I have to admit that. And, and what is your, we, we <laughs> talked in the last segment about niche sports. What, what, what's your favorite niche sport? Favorite niche sport? Um, I play, but I'm not very good at disc golf. So okay. Um, I'm nothing to write home about, but local course, Denver, North Carolina, easiest par three in the game. You know, I can get you a negative every now and then. So I'd say that one. Is is disc golf going to have a moment? Is it, is it going to be televised soon? Disc golf is kind of popping off right now, um, Instagram-wise at least. I know that's just one metric, but, I mean, they have some pretty dope videos. You can watch full rounds and stuff. Um, not on ESPN just yet, but we'll see. See what I can do. And and that's that's what that's what Chapel's going to do once it's on uh, ESPN. He's going to forget this whole cl- covering Clemson thing. He's just going to dive into the disc golf professionally. I, I've been uh, intrigued by all the all – the, uh, Cornhole I've been seeing on ESPN. Love I think there's a future for me some, somewhere down the line. But you are not here to talk about disc golf or cornhole um, or any of these <laughs> other sports that we'd love to play. Um, you are here to talk some Clemson football. And we were. I was there. I was in the house uh, for the ACC title game last year when Clemson defeated UNC. And we sort of got the coming out party for quarterback Cade Klubnick. Uh, Clemson, once again, the favorite to win the ACC title. What What is the talk down there in Clemson as we head into this offseason and, and we get ready for another ACC football season? Yeah, well, I mean, I <clears throat> I would have said the same thing about them being the favorite a few months ago, but now I'm wondering, you know, once once we get the kickoff and that pesky little media poll emerges, um, how close is it going to be with FSU? I think it's more is Clemson down as opposed to is Clemson where it needs to be um, with FSU right there on their tail. Um, I think it's been seven times in the last eight years they've been picked as preseason champion. Again, that's only one indicator, uh, but that is something I'm fascinated to see how it plays out. That's probably going to be the closest vote in, God, five, six years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they really they, – they went through spring ball and, and felt good, but who doesn't? Um, they, they, were, they know where they are. They know where they need to be. Uh, passing offense, passing defense, those are the two things that Debo Sweeney has said over and over through spring ball. We need to get better in this and this. And, you know, up until, I mean, the South Carolina loss, they still probably would have been in the CFP, you know. Um, up until that game, they, they controlled their own destiny, and they still could this year. Um, so they, they're right there. You know, there's multiple upper echelons for college football. You know, if there's Tier 1, 1A, 1B, 1C, maybe they're 1B or 1C right now, you know. Two losses and you're out under this current format. It'll be different next year. Um, but they're right there, but they're not, you know, that, that elite 16, 18 team that they were. Um, and that's not exactly a bad thing, but you know how the expectations are. In a place like that, among many others, um, it, it's still a failure of sorts if you're not in the CFP, which is crazy to say, you know, 11 wins is 11 wins. But that's kind of the standard they've created and the standard they're trying to maintain and, and kind of get back to that level of six straight. And that's 100% the focus. Anything other than that, you know, will be, I think, no matter what they want to say, like that will be frustrating. That will be a failure in their eyes and fan base's eyes, absolutely. 
it, it's interesting. It's interesting, Chaplin. You, by the way, you mentioned how close Clemson and Florida State will be. The Vegas odds right now, FanDuel, Clemson plus 150 to win the ACC, Florida State plus 185. So it is pretty close <laughs> from that perspective, at least. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because you talk about Clemson and last year. And it's one of those things where I'm like, I think about Clemson last year. I'm like, man, that team did not look that good. You did that passing offense. The offense in general was not great. DJU struggled. And then you're like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. They were almost in the CFP. What what kind of pressure do you think is on on Cade Klubnik in this, this offense to produce just based on how good the rest of that team is? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton. I mean, the reason – Dabo Sweeney fired one of his best friends who he said it took him 15 seconds to hire for a position which he didn't interview any external candidates for when Tony Elliott left last year is because that offense struggled and, and somebody had to take the fall for that. Um, so, I mean, the, the expectations are huge for them, but, I mean, I think it's big for the defense, too. I mean, you know, Dabo hired internally for both coordinators, Brandon Streeter, Wes Goodwin, fire Brandon Streeter, Wes Goodwin, slow around. Him, that defense, all those units, I mean, this is – it being talked like it's going to be a all-time Clemson defense. You know, they have a number of really good defensive linemen. I mean, the linebacker combination of Trotter and Carter, who I'm sure everybody's talking about. They're on pro football focus every week, I swear. Um, <laughs> good front seven. Secondary, not as much. I mean, they have the bodies. They have the talent. But don't they always? There's pressure on pick, like Cade offense, pressure on defense too. Um, I think it's really across the board because, you know, the margin for error in a number of those games they won last year was really small. You know, one play here, one play there, um, one kind of momentum change. You know, 11-3, and three, but that's any college football team. But 11-3 and three easily could have been worse than that. Um, and, you know, ACC is ACC. It maybe isn't SEC. Um, but you can still – in the same way you can screw around and win a game, you can screw around and lose a game. Um, so I think the pressure is definitely – team-wide, but, I mean, you, you have to start with the offense just because that passing offense. Like, one of my favorite club mix stats is that in that title game that Murph mentioned, um, I think within, like, 10 pass attempts, he'd already completed the longest Clemson pass of the season, like 68 yards or something to Cole Turner. Um, that offense was just not vertical at all. And still, you know, they were 10-2 um, and two at that point in the ACC title game. So it just goes to show you how, you know, you don't have to be perfect across the board 100 all the time to win. But what he showed in that game, and maybe didn't show as much against Tennessee, is what could unlock them a little bit further. Uh, so, yeah, pressure is across the board. But, I mean, it's more offense than defense for sure. I, I wonder if we have to discount some of Klubnik's stats against that North Carolina defense, which which made every quarterback look like a, a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, Clemson opens wow. the season at Duke on a Monday night game, Labor Day night, primetime. Um, which they're used to, Clemson certainly used to. Duke, maybe not so much used to getting that primetime treatment. What I wanted to ask about was, you know, we're in this NIL era and this transfer portal era, and it seems like, and, and this is the outside perception, so that's what I want to ask you about, that Clemson is kind of doing it the old school way, that they're not, you know, hitting the transfer portal to fill every hole on their roster, that NIL – uh, while I'm sure some players are taking advantage of it there at Clemson, we're not hearing about it like we are at Texas A&M and USC and, and other places. How is Dabo kind of managing this and trying to compete, like you said, at the Tier 1A with the Georges and the Alabamas of the world? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, portal-wise is where they are continue to be so different than everybody else. You know, the longest thing for a while was, oh, Clemson doesn't do summer official visits. Clemson only offers a few um, I don't know, 100 or so people per class. Clemson doesn't offer underclassmen. They've kind of adjusted in a lot of those ways. You know, they'll, they'll offer a 
freshman or sophomore, they just got a five-star linebacker who committed like last month, and he was, you know, the, their first offer for the 24 class when he was a rising sophomore or something. They started doing summer official visits last year, and it, it was really successful, so they're continuing to do that. Um, but portal stuff, they really have not budged. I mean, the last two cycles they have gone veteran backup quarterback who used to play at Clemson, Hunter Johnson, and veteran backup quarterback, Paul Tyson. Th those are the two additions over the last two years. Um, so they are very much built from the ground up, and that's really different um, than where everybody else is. You know, that's caused some consternation among the fan base. But, you know, you can be concerned about that. But then, of course, they could also point to, like, 11 wins. Um, you know, the, the team is still at that tier 1A, 1B, 1C, whatever you want to call it, level. Without that um, – and, and are really just seem steadfast on sticking to, you know, I think the phrase Dabo uses over and over is bloom where you're planted. Um, you know, and you've seen so many teams do that portal stuff to success immediately. I mean, one of my favorite anecdotes there, you know, in South Carolina's win against Clemson last year, the game winning pass, the third down pass that clinched that and not Clemson out the CFP was an Oklahoma transfer quarterback. So James Madison transfer wide receiver. That was pretty poetic in that regard. Um, so it helps a lot of teams. It can also hurt teams. You know, it's not always perfect. Um, but they are really steadfast in that. I mean, even FSU is another, you know, I mean, FSU got two of South Carolina's best players um, in the portal this cycle um, and has them on the roster for that showdown in week four. Um, so they're steadfast in that. But NIL-wise, I mean, I think the phrase they've used over and over and over, and this, again, applies to everything they do, when you're at a level where you can be selective and picky about how you do things, I guess you can get away with that. Um the idea of doing it the Clemson way, you know, not leading with it is what a lot of football recruits have kind of used and, and what the AD has said, doing it the Clemson way, but Dabo has said, you know, when they're on the screen plugging these collectives, which is such a crazy thing to think about considering how much of a no-no that was even a year before, um, it's doing it the Clemson way, but it doesn't mean they're not spending millions of dollars on it. You know, they have a brand new branding facility um, right next to the football stadium that's adjacent to the football facility with uh, – they have a podcast interview room that's apparently really popular among the players. They have a photo shoot wall, the office for their in-house football-specific NIL coordinator. So, you know, it's not like they're resting on their laurels. Um, they are spending money on this and having it as an option. Um, but the kind of the, the strategy they've gone with is don't lead with. And I think when Adabas quotes about it, maybe a kickoff last year actually was, you know, if a player said, what can you do for me? Um, they're not for Clemson, I think, was whatever he said along those lines. And, and that's kind of what everybody on the roster incoming is echoed. Um, so those are two places where they're definitely kind of planting the flag in the sand, like they've done with a lot of the other things I mentioned recruiting-wise, to kind of differentiate themselves as, you know, we're different. We are this brand that you're not going to get anywhere else. I mean, it continues to work recruiting-wise. Um, so I guess until that stops working, um, they'll keep rolling with it. Chapel Fowler, Clemson beat writer for the state, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. I'm Louis Fernandez. He's Brian Murphy. This is 99.9 Fan. Uh, Chapel, I am of a belief that the difference between the Atlantic and the Coastal was a little inflated. I think that the Coastal being as, let's say, coastal as, <laughs> as it was, was more of a meme than anything. Um, and we're going to finally get a chance to see that if, if that's true or not this season with the, the abolition of, of divisions. Uh, you know, do you think that's going to impact uh, these teams outside of Clemson a lot more than we would expect? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with your point there. Um, I, don't, I don't know. You could do you frame what was it 
six unique champions in six years, was it seven and seven where everybody won at least one in the Coastal? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Does that mean it's weak? Does that mean it's strong across the board? Does that mean there's parity or lack of parity? Um, I mean, I certainly think a, a NC State or a Wake Forest, which I think is like 0-15 in this last 15 against Clemson. I don't think Clawson has ever beat them, or I think Sweeney's ever lost to Clawson. Um, those teams are probably fine to, to get out of this schedule <laughs> format. Um, well, I mean, I guess, excuse me, not State, because they're, they're still locked in as a permanent opponent. Um, but the idea that if you slip up in one game, you know, you're out of the divisional standings, you know, to, to win that um, division, get the title game. I think that's a good thing for everybody across the board. You know, if you are the best team, you'll play the best team. If, you, if you're the best team, you'll play somebody already played once and beat them again. Um, I think – I don't think anybody should shy away from competition there. I mean, it's made for the – it's made the Pac-12 – a lot more fun. I'll say, I know they kind of instituted that change after having a situation where they didn't get their best two teams um, in that title game because of the divisional setup. So, I mean, I think it makes sense for Clemson. It makes sense for everybody. It makes sense for the league because, you know, it's, it's again, it's a ploy to get your best teams on display as much as possible um, and get them in that CAP, which, you know, we were just talking about how 11 wins, you can kind of just wipe that off the board and think, oh, well, no CFP. You know, it's important. It's important to Clemson. It's important to FSU. It's important to everybody. Um, and obviously it's important to the ACC monetarily, brand-wise, image-wise, everything that is kind of wrapped up in this realignment world we now face every day. Um, so I do think the division stuff maybe wasn't as as serious. You know, as you were saying, it maybe wasn't the most dramatic advantage of all time. But I think, um, you know, Clemson got – a good run of their own at a time where some other teams were significantly down. Um, and, you know, timing wise, you could say, well, they beat everybody in front of them. Yes. But, um, you know, I think a, the downturn of like a Boston college per se, um, or Miami probably didn't hurt them in that regard either. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what this divisionless format looks like. I know they just hammered out a lot of the tiebreakers for it, which I'm forgetting right now. Um, but I'm sure they'll piss somebody off regardless. <laughs> Chapel Fowler, the state newspaper, uh, Clemson beat writer, joining us here on 99.9 The Fan. L- let's, let's, you talked about the, ace, the importance to the ACC brand, the importance to the ACC bottom line. Uh, be remiss if we didn't ask, you know, certainly earlier this summer we heard a lot coming out of Florida State and, and Clemson about options, you know, the Magnificent Seven talk. That seems to have died down a little bit as, as everybody maybe realizes that Grant Wrights is a, a little tougher to get out of than they thought. What is the sense around Clemson right now in the athletic department? You know, do they just make the best of it for the next few years and, and then look to go? Or is this a constant con- you know conversation that they're having internally? Yeah, I think one of the more fascinating developments there um and i'll credit espn for the reporting there um during the winter meetings i think in february uh, they were first kicking around this idea of the unequal revenue which now has a much more trendy and pr friendly name of the success uh initiative <laughs> or whatever it's called um ad's were nowhere close to consensus on that um and, and they were talking around these like pocket change numbers um some like two hundred fifty thousand for an incentive which again is a lot of money but in the grand scheme of college sports like what is that um so they went from frustration, um, like absolutely nothing close to a consensus on getting this through in winter to, to passing it um, through, or at least the agreement to pass it through after the spring meetings. Um, so I think it was something that the ACC had to do. I think it's something that um, they realized that some of their top football brands were pushing for and not really screwing around on. You know, we mentioned FSU AD. Clemson's athletic director, Graham Neff, is very careful about what he says and when, um, if he's saying something, he's saying it for a reason. And he also kind of rolled out a very intentional, as he told me and many other people, um, kind of 
push for this revenue model, this change, and how Clemson saw this as a need, something that needs to happen urgently. Um, so I think uh, McMurphy, Brett McMurphy called it something like a band-aid on a bullet hole, and I think that's correct. Um, but I think it's also something you have to do. You know, you have to, you know, if your teams are brown by this um, grant of rights that maybe they can't get out of, maybe they can't, um, maybe there's a lot of court fees involved if they do, um, at least show them, you know, that, that you're trying to position yourselves and help position them. Um, so I think maybe it's kind of a, you know, pass fire for the time being. Um, but I don't mind it, and I think, again, it's smart on Phillips's part to, to get it through, even if it is a minimal drop in the bucket long-term compared to what the SEC and Big Ten are getting in. Um, but what, what Neff, the AD, and Clemson has kind of said over and over and over ever since this started, whether that's um, Neff or Dabo or an assistant coach, even the players, the idea that they're, they're confident that Clemson is going to be Clemson, no matter where Clemson is, whether that's the ACC, whether that's somewhere else down the line, whether that's in two years, three years, five years, ten years, um, their kind of outward philosophy and inward philosophy too, I'd say, um, is the idea that they're confident about who they are and, and their value uh, to college football, to college football world at large, and, and how that'll shake out um, over time. But, again, that doesn't mean they're – not like every school monitoring all the news daily frantically uh, because if you're not doing that i don't think you're doing it right i can't wait for wake forest football and miami basketball to claim the first uh, success initiative payments uh when when all that is is said and oh done. my gosh <laughs> <laughs> uh chapel fowler the state newspaper north carolina grad thanks so much for joining us today on on 99.9 the fan enjoy the rest of your summer and uh get a few more disc golf rounds in before acc kickoff Perfect. It was a pleasure, guys. Murph, I'll see you at a kickoff soon enough. I'll be there. Thanks a lot, Chapel. Thanks, Chapel. Thanks. I think he's right. I mean, the, the fact that they were the Clemson and, and Florida State uh, agitated enough to get that success initiative, uh, unequal revenue distribution plan through as quickly as they did after a year of, of not making any progress, I think shows kind of where the ACC is. It's You're in this kind of situation where it's – you see how quickly everything is changing around you, and you—it's gotten to the point I think now where the the elites of the college athletics world are realizing, oh, we gotta we gotta do something. We're already behind the eight ball. We gotta we gotta make something happen. It's it's uh, a. I'm glad I'm I don't have to figure out how to make all this work. I, I'll put it that way. The the stat that Chapel just gave us that they've taken two transfers, two backup quarterback transfers in the last two seasons is. Remark, I mean, uh, like, blew my mind. Mm -hmm. North Carolina, I think, brought in nine midseason transfers in December. Uh, you look at what's happening in Colorado. Deion Sanders is bringing in like 72 transfers yeah. to restock his entire team. Uh, you know, look at the Heisman Trophy winners Caleb Williams, transfer. Baker Mayfield, transfer. Um, and I'm sure I'm forgetting three or four other transfers sure. that have won. Joe the, Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow, transfer. Won the Heisman Trophy, won the national title. I mean, the fact that Clemson is able to do it, and and like last year at eleven and three was a down year for them, that able to maintain that level of success and not utilize the transfer portal is like blows my mind. Uh, agreed. No, and I, I think it, it will for Clemson at least come down to can they have a passing offense this year? Because that was just watching Clemson last year was not fun in any <laughs> way, shape, or form. How much they were struggling. I'm I'm a I'm a person who's definitely like, yeah, let me get let me get some high scoring, you know, affairs in college football especially. But it, it, it's gonna be interesting. I don't think that this new divisional look, I don't think it's gonna impact uh Clemson too much. I think they're gonna be who they are. But I, I also don't think that it's just a 
you can just go ahead and write in that it's going to be Clemson, Florida State in the ACC championship game. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. Who, who do you think is going to be there? I'm looking at these odds. They're like you said, Clemson is plus 150. Uh, you know, Florida State plus 185. Then there's a huge drop. To North Carolina seven to one, Louisville seven to one. I don't understand that. I have to. I have uh, to do some more research Vegas, on Louisville. Vegas might know something that I don't on that one. And then another huge drop to to NC State twenty two to one, Miami twenty three to one, Pittsburgh twenty five to one, uh, local schools Duke thirty seven to one, Wake fifty to one. Um, I, it's hard to envision. Maybe North Carolina. It's hard to envision who's the second team. If 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 you assume Clemson and Florida State, at least one of them makes it. Who's the other team that rises up? So I, I think that it's it is You gonna fall into the Miami trap? No, I'm not gonna fall into the Miami <laughs> I have fallen into the Miami Miami trap many times before. Um I'll give you a name that I'm gonna probably kick myself for saying it right now. But uh I think Pitt has a has the potential. I really do, because they are returning a lot of guys, they're getting in a new quarterback. They have a transfer quarterback, right? They do. Um and Narduzzi and the offensive coordinator over there, they always are able to put something good together. Um last year they had a lot of injury bad luck and I'm someone who very much believes in the law of averages, especially in football, where if you win tight games, that just means you're gonna lose tighter games down the line. Um if you have injury bad luck, that means you're gonna have injury good luck eventually. Um and, and when you look at what Pitt has uh, ahead of them, right? Um at West Virginia, okay. Um they play UNC at home. They always Pittsburgh. seem to play UNC well. It, 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 they do. They do. Except <laughs> besides last year. Um, they play Louisville at home. Um, they do have to hit the road to play Wake Forest. They play Florida State at home. So they have a couple of these harder games. They don't play Clemson. They, they have a couple of these more difficult games uh, in Pittsburgh. So I think that I was going to say Heinz Field, but it's whatever it's called field now. <laughs> yeah, we're um, calling it Heinz Field. Heinz field. So that, to me, if you're going to like – if you're going to pick a dark horse to come through, I think Pitt makes a lot of sense. Um, they always have great defensive linemen. They yeah. always have a great running back. Sure. They've got uh, Phil Jerkovic, the former Boston College quarterback, yeah, yeah. Is, is now their transfer quarterback. I, Pitt's not a bad – I mean, if you're taking a flyer from down in the, in the odds, I don't think Pitt's a bad choice. No, plus uh, plus 2,500 right now compared to, you know, like a UNC or a Louisville that's plus 700. I Yeah, I just – um. I don't know, and obviously, I, th- I think UNC is fair to make that assumption. That, hey, they could get there as well. I, whenever I think about UNC football, I always get a little bit like the <laughs> I, expectations are always sky high. I don't trust them. That's I don't fair. trust them. That's fair, and I think that's totally fair. You can point to a lot of different things. You can point to the offensive struggles in the t- back half of the season. Um, but I mean, yeah, if if I had to, I could see very easily Clemson, Florida State. But if I'm hoping that some of the coastal chaos leaks out of the division into this, the overall standings as well, when you go to this format and we see a little bit of that craziness where Clemson maybe plays a team like Pitt or a team like Duke or someone like that. 25 years of UNC failing to meet expectations, I think, is enough for me not to trust them heading into the year.